uh, here we go. Ready, spaghetti? Mm. Cool. Well, it's the Love in Our Wake podcast, and we're so glad you joined us today. Together with Ben Teefy and Jason Aitchison, we are diving into theology to talk real life and learn how we, like Jesus, can leave love in our wake. I'm Bethany Thompson. Let's go. Let's go. I'm always impressed that you get my last name right. Like, it's impressive. Not many people do. Maybe I'm scared if I don't. Like, yeah. Is that music going longer than normal? That's what I was just thinking. I was like, what is happening? So it's doing for 30 seconds. The ambience that's of that so moment, funny. though. I was, I was just relaxing into that lo-fi vibe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, we um, had a great last episode, but I want to just say that there was definitely some Scrabble words in there that were too big to spell. Mm. Um but also some incredibly deep thoughts. And so maybe we can dive into some practicals about our life and kind of go, hey, um, are we stuffed? Mm. No, we're not. But Thankfully. if we feel like we are, how do we get unstuffed? Yeah. Um, yeah. And well, did, how, how did we unstuff ourselves? That's always a good question. How mm. do we want? How did we unstuff ourselves? Oh, you? Because, well, like, for, yeah. for example, like I've got... My own issues, is that what you're saying? 100%. This is the, the counselling session for Jason. Oh, come now. <laughs> okay. Let me open my file. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like how mm. do we unstuff ourselves? How do we um, mm. break through into that? Like, mm. you know, Pastor mm. Ben, you've talked a lot about your journey um, in sermons and things like that. But like, that's a great question, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because definitely hoping that we're we're not stuffed. Yeah. But it is another question to go, well, then on the ground when I wake up tomorrow morning, how can I go on that journey of Absolutely. unstuffing it and yeah, seeing that yeah. to duck and become three things again? <laughs> <laughs> to duck and it tastes good. <laughs> so let, let's begin at the outset then. Let's, mm. let's just say this. The primary, primary focus has to be process, 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 or if I'm Bethany Thompson, I say process, process, process. process. <laughs> um, it, and I think we live in an event-based world, mm. and you know we all serve in a church together, and so you know we could equally say our world is definitely event-based in a lot of ways because mm. we've got calendar stuff going oh, on, sure. we've got mm. start and finish times, we've got altar calls, all that stuff. However, if we want to unstuff ourselves, we cannot think event, right? Yeah. There mm. are events within that. There are definitely catalysts. There's there like are moments, events that are yeah. important. But actually what's important is to invite the process, you know, invite the process and actually commit to the process, understanding what the process of unstuffing yourself is. And let's say you're listening and you you go, well, I'm not stuffed, man. You guys are on your own, losers, you know, (laughs) right? But maybe you're a people helper that wants to help others. So what do you internalize, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think ultimate, ultimate big deal is let's have a conversation about the process of unstuffing because it is a lengthy mm. process requires a decision and determination from the outset yeah i'm going to commit to a process but just the journey as well right like this yeah yeah I okay think, we'll say journey that yeah. sounds nicer than it sounds pro. it's definitely <laughs> it's very academic of you process but yeah. the journey i thought yeah, it was like, very administrative oh yeah. Well, because you know what I like, and I'm the least administrative person in this room, probably. Um, however, I would say when it comes to help, okay, I'm, I'm also being charitable to that guy. I'm the second least administrative. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> no, truth. Bethany's unquestionable in that area. Yeah, yeah. You cannot accuse her of being administratively poor. There's no stuffed over there on the, the administration. The admin she can do in 10 minutes, like I can't do in a year. Yeah, I cannot, right? But I think, but what happens is when you when you want to attack an issue, or let's say what's more likely for me these days is to be helping 
teenagers, young adults, or people that I talk to and work mm. out, okay, how do we break this down mm. to 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 help them shift where they are? Right? Yeah. They do not want to stay where they are. They're stuck where they are. It's demoralizing. It's sapping their life. It's having all sorts of negative consequences for them and their relationships, even inside their own feelings and in, and in their own psyche. So how do we help them get out of it, right? Well, the idea is you have to outline a process that can be measured over time because if the process isn't outlined, first of all, they've got no direction where to go. But secondly, if it's not a process, you can never measure it, right? Oh, I'm just hoping I become more loving. that's right. No, 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 there's got to be a process. What do you mean when you say more loving, want to be more patient, want to be more kind, want to do more things that express love? You know, that's Mm. behavioural. So it ultimately has to be something, how would I measure, is this having an impact or not? Mm. I want to be less addicted. I want to be less depressed. I want to be less you know, self-loathing and ashamed. I want to act out less. Okay, well, then you have to articulate what that looks like. What does my destination look like? And how would I get there? So that's why I say process rather than yeah. journey. Because well, I think sure. journey could be like, you know, I'm just going to swan around and, you know, follow my nose that's a, cool a little thought. bit. I like that. It's like, no, I'm going to, you know, in psych they talk about this, yeah. operationalizing something. Let's yeah. break down the steps, you know, A to B to C type of thing. You know? yeah, so totally. what are the steps? And so for me, process really is part of it. Is like a person has to commit that it is a process. We cannot yeah. give you a pill that's magic. That's right. We, you know, we all wish we could do this bit, bring you out to an altar call and wave a magic wand over you and boom, <laughs> you're suddenly fixed, you know. That's and right. we've certainly heard testimonies where people have incredibly life-changing and transforming experiences. But again, I would say that's about the point of, departure right i'm setting out on my journey because i had this ontological restructuring because i experienced god because i encountered god Mm. but then what i do now i've got to walk out the journey well you know like for the book of acts the way christianity is described is mostly a way you know the followers of the way Mm. and i like this idea so biblically like the bible noting me really loves that idea that it's a way which is a road or a path or a street you know that means it's being built it's being created you're not randomly off you know creating forging your own goat trail in the wilderness you know no i am the way jesus said so Mm. he's a he's an established surveyed Mm. navigational i was going to say navigational tool but being a person (laughs) you don't really want to relate reduce someone to a thing but yeah he he is the way right Mm. and the way the greek word for way is odos hodos right so he's the hodos but think about this the jewish people when they went from egypt to israel in the book of Ex hodos, right? Hey. Is mm. ex is mean ex means out and hodos means way. So the story of the Exodus is the way out of Egypt, right? The wow. way out of Egypt. They went from Egypt. They were supposed to go into the promised land, which you know that first generation they didn't do that, right? So it's sort of like the best thing that process could offer them back then was the way out of something. Sure, I'm leaving Egypt, but Jesus completes this massive Bible conundrum. Not just how do we get out of Egypt? How do we get out of Babylon? No, but where are we going to? What are mm. we going into, yeah. right? And so Jesus is taking us into the kingdom of God, into the new creation future. So instead of just an ex-hodos, a way out, we now have the hodos, the way, the way in, the way mm. to truth, the way to life, yeah, the way yeah. to love, you know, all these sort of things. So so that's what we're talking about. It's a way. But it being a way and being a journey could be undefined and nebulous, you know, you know, like mm. some tourists, yes. people, people, some tourists like to go somewhere and follow their nose. Oh, I'm just journeying. I see where the wind takes mm. me. No, no. Yeah. Well, that's not how you experience transformation and unstuff yourself. You can stay stuck, you know, following little rabbit trails. Totally. 
this needs a clearly articulated process. It's not a rigid process. No, so it's, it's quite it's different dynamic. for different people, isn't mm, it? Like there's mm. there's um, different points where I think everyone has a bit of a different story mm. to um, you know receiving the revelation that we're loved or going on that journey of wholeness or flourishing. But it is um, it is there's a process, but it is very different for mm. everybody. Mm. Mm. But how do you, how do you know what process to start with? Like, um, you know, I'm thinking about just like my own journey and, um, you know, I had a personal process that I worked out. But if you're somebody who's grown up and you're, you're in your mid-30s or late thir- like uh, late 20s or something, mm. like how do you start? I'm so glad you asked. You just uh, tune into the Love and Our Wake podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Follow this podcast. The <laughs> process for doing that is open Spotify or Apple or... <laughs> um, well... So I would say like there are some things for everybody's journey that should be common, right? Like there are mm. basically ubiquitous transcendent r- ingredients that no matter who you are, these things need to be part of your journey, right? They need to be part of your process. And if they're not part of your process, no matter how much other good stuff is, you might be limited, okay? So let's talk first of all and let's try to get these in some type of order. Yeah, sure. Even yeah. though we're not going to be religious about that order, right? That it's not the only sure. order of events, right? But so for me, I would say it starts with an acknowledgement of the limitations of myself. We yeah. talked about that last. We did. Then it talks about me turning to God mm. and yes. coming to the infinite source, which is God I see in the face of Jesus Christ. Then there is that ontological restructuring, embracing the work of the Spirit in making me a new creation person, being born from above. Then there is making a quality decision then. Now that all that's happened... I will live intentionally as a mm. disciple of Jesus yeah, Christ. Right? Yeah. I am now, now that I've had that ontological restructuring, what's happening? I am now enrolled in an apprenticeship. How do I follow Jesus in the kingdom? So I, I, ha- I have an image that I can look towards. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely includes it. Not only not only for that reason, but definitely that. It's like it's got to be a decision though, right? It's not just, oh, I'm a person who experienced God once or the love definitely of God Definitely going once. on the intentional journey of transformation to be like yeah. Jesus. And yeah. saying, I'm a disciple, right? So that's part of my process. My process is my understanding has to be I'm on the road now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And so the idea that that's the part of the process I'm following in makes discipleship an integral part of the process. Right. Can I just make a little side point there that sometimes I think that can be lost and especially mm. in um, oh, like more like bigger movements or things where there's lots of crowd that it can be become more like and even in leadership, like I feel like um, there's been settings and spaces and places that I've been in and I feel like that's been lost of like, hey, I'm also a disciple, yeah. also being transformed, but yeah. we can so easily make it about either the external or something else or even yeah. just the people we're leading. But it's actually true that for all of us here present, anyone listening, that we are all on that journey of being mm. a disciple of Jesus yeah. and in that process still somewhere along the line. You know, and we don't stop end. that journey. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you don't graduate from it right till death. And I think that's the thing because like for most people who have a Christianish involvement or background, right? Tell me this. If I say, Oh yeah, discipleship, mm. right? 
most of the time? What are we thinking? Programming. A, a new Christian's course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A program. A book. It has a start yeah. and stop time. So true. Right? But this is why I'm sort of like trying to accentuate the idea that it is a lifelong yeah. process mm. and you have to embrace the fact that it's a process, right? And then the process yeah. requires some focal points. So one of the focal points is this is a process I'm not deviating from. I'm not going, I tried for three days, it doesn't work. Now I'm trying something else. No, no, yeah. I'm enrolled in a lifetime of discipleship mm. now. And this cognitive restructuring is going to find its influence across every sphere of my life as mm. long as I stay on the road, yeah. as long as I keep walking the path as a disciple of Jesus. Part of right? me really likes the phrase and have for a while, the, like I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Because if I'm, it's a, it denotes like an ad continued action. Mm. Like I didn't mm. just decide to follow him, like I follow Jesus now. Yeah. And so that yeah. means that if I'm stagnating or something's amiss, it's like, okay, have, are you actually actively following Yeah, keep Jesus? following. Yeah. That's right. Followers follow. Yeah, yeah, and I think on this journey of leaving love in our wake is that there's a continual outworking of that, that Jesus mm. is going, okay, now this part of your life's going to change. Now this part of your life's going to change. And it just keeps yeah. moving along because mm. I'm following mm. Jesus on an intentional path like we're talking yeah. about. Mm. Now let's talk about the fact that like someone could be listening and go, well, but hang on, hang on. What? So now you're saying that I can't grow through my issues unless I'm a hardcore black belt disciple and it's like yeah yes. i mean there's so many <laughs> things wrong with that question anyway yeah and one of them is like that there are grades of disciple yeah right? that, that's the, yeah. the thing in the church's discipleship has sort of been pushed aside as either just yeah. the new christians program or the disciples are like the real super spiritual people mm. but then there's the normal people who aren't quite disciples like yeah no there's so many problems with that but a jesus follower right Yes, you can have therapy and go and do all that sort of stuff, but the type of life we're talking about transcends all of those things. Mm. Right? And it's like what is the quintessential part of the process? The, the acknowledgement of self-limit, the finding the infinite well of love that is in the God that made me that I'm yeah. supposed to be connected to so I can reflect. Mm. Then there's being on the journey and embracing I am a disciple of Jesus. Am disciple. It answers some questions for me. The, the question is, Oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus. So that answers a whole bunch of questions, right? It answers so many questions. Should I, my enemy just punch me? What should I do? Mm. Well, if what I'm a disciple Jesus of Jesus, his teaching tells me what I should do in that moment, right? Yes. And so, you know, I mean, and that's something that is to be practically lived out, right? Mm. When any one of us could have a cantankerous person take a swing at us. Yeah. And then what, what answers the question? Well, what do we do then? Do we snap their neck? Do we, you know, break their arm, kick him in the shins? You know, so there's, but but being a disciple yeah. answers that question for me. How do I leave totally. love in my wake if I'm going to have this person do it? You know, it doesn't mean I stand there and let myself get beaten, but also what do I do? You know, mm. so discipleship answers a lot of questions and the cumulative of, this is the next important part, right? Understanding that the cumulative effect of discipleship over time is incredibly transformational. It has a massive mm. compound effect. It does. It does. And it does it. Mm. It does it over time in areas you wouldn't expect if yeah. you only focused issue by issue. Yeah. If my issue is, well, yeah. I feel shame. How do I not feel ashamed anymore? Discipleship still helps, and I can focus on that issue. But also, here's the problem: if I'm, you know, the Johari window, we that consists of the idea that there's some things about myself that I know and everyone knows. Mm. The next window, there's four panes to the Johari window. What I know and what everyone knows. Those things are patently obvious yeah. to me, patently obvious to you. Then there's what I know but no one knows. That's in my secret area. I know it. You don't know it. I haven't disclosed yeah. it. Then there's my blind spot. 
I don't know. Everyone else knows. Right? <laughs> that's, they they that's always intrigue me. Administration. <laughs> and then there's the subconscious realm. I don't know. No one else knows, right? Yeah. And so mm. that's the problem in the, the, the yeah. model of human therapy is that basically, well, it takes real insight-inducing moments to give you transformation for problems that are caused by the subconscious area, right? Things I don't know, things no one knows. Mm. We have tons of that. We don't even know what we don't know about ourselves in that totally. world, right? So if I'm just going to take the issue-by-issue issue approach, well, I'm going to choose my shame and work on that. Oh, now I'm going to choose. Mm-hmm. But the point is, yeah, looking at the Jahari window, maybe there's stuff I should work on that I don't know about myself. Yeah. Mm. Maybe there's stuff that I, I should work on. But how would I identify it? Everyone else knows it, but I don't know it. You know, So mm. that's why the life of the disciple, right, it has far-reaching compounding effects across every realm of the Johari window mm. that even I would find over time. Because now I can look back over the last 20-something years of following Jesus and say, even areas now, if I reflect on my life, I can see back then, you know, when I in my yeah. first year of being a Christ follower, God dealt with stuff then that I didn't know and no one else knew. But now I look back and go, wow, look what God did. I didn't mm. even realize I had that problem. And that's the thing about the compounding effects of the life of the disciple. It exercises transformation across a broad range of areas that you don't even know you need. Mm. It's sort of like installing antivirus software right, on yeah. your computer. Antivirus software hunts down the viruses you shouldn't have and gets rid of them, but it also... Um, makes it less likely that you're going to get one that you you know that you acquire later on, mm. and that's the whole thing about discipleship. It's the antivirus software for your life. It'll hunt down things that are wrong with you that operate below the surface. Yeah, things you do know about, things you don't know about, things others can see that you can't see, or things others don't know that you know. But it will hunt them down and expunge them through the processes of discipleship. Right. Mm. So that's why embracing a process of discipleship has to be a fundamental part of a person's way of unstuffing yeah. themselves. And to me, it's the only reliable pathway. It's the only reliable pathway saying being a disciple should be my highest aim, not just being a better person yeah. or yeah. a more whole person. Wow. Like it, it, Because it contains that, right? It's like, yeah, if I'm going to be a disciple, healing is wrapped up in being a disciple. But if yeah. I'm just chasing healing, thinking, well, I'll just chase healing, I don't have to worry about this discipleship, because it's like, yeah, but I'm missing a major part of the important process. Jesus said it this mm. way, right? The way is narrow. The, mm. the road that leads to destruction is broad, right? That's a super highway. Mm. Everyone's on it, man. But, you know, only the lucky few, well, they're not lucky in Jesus' word, <laughs> don't, only the few find the way that leads to life. Mm. You know, wow. and it's like this is not about like who gets to heaven and who gets to hell. This is completely generic speech at that point in Jesus' teaching, right? He's saying there's a destructive life that is not flourishing and that's a super highway that everyone's on. Stay on it if you want, yeah. man. That's the, the, the destination is you're stuffed, right? Mm. But if you want to get unstuffed and you want the the Zoe life, like the, the fullness of life Jesus came to bring, you've got to get off the highway and go on a different road and it's a goat trail. It's a narrow way, right? It's not narrow yeah. saying we'll exclude people. It's like there's a highway and then there's a hiker's foot trail in the hills and that's the image Jesus is using there, right? But you think about that. Discipleship is not the highway. This is super easy. I'll just go with the flow. Everyone's on it. Just follow everyone else. No, no, this is like, man, you've got to navigate off to the hike. This is yeah. this is like, man, you're in the foothills going to Everest Base Camp here, baby. This is feels like it sometimes. You know, you're, <laughs> you're off on the hiker's trail, and that requires intentionality to go does, that way. Yeah. Whereas the the highway, the super highway, requires no intentionality. So Jesus said, you know, that's it. Everyone's going that way. It's easy. There's no resistance. It's already paved, well paved. This one is still mapped out, right? He's not saying forge your own path. It's still a path. 
but it's a narrow mm. way that requires intention. And only a few people are ever going to find it. That's the that's the power of process, you know. So what are some of the practical things do we think? And I think we can take it from experience, but we can definitely take it from scripture. What are some practical things that help us get unstuffed in that discipleship process? Because mm. obviously, you know, discipleship is one of the, but definitely yep, in yep. being a but disciple. I think, okay, so a person goes, yep, oh, then sign me up. I want to be a disciple. Yes. Okay, cool. All right, so I've done these other sequences. Yes, and now have, I'm yeah. saying, all right, I embrace the idea and process of being a disciple. Yep. Then I would say, A, seeing discipleship as having a goal to be transformed into the image of Christ. Mm. Yep. That's the goal of discipleship, to become a Christ-like person, yes. to become a representative of Christ yep. and a reflection of Christ. doesn't mean you're door-knocking your neighbourhood. It's like <laughs> up sitting where you are right now, be a imitator of god yeah. that's what paul yeah. said yeah. Right? you know as dearly loved children imitate god mimesis copy god emulate god make jesus your key mentor make mm. jesus the version of the very best human and say that's what i, feel I like this want is my like, life I to look be like a reflector. yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> now pastor bethany has shown her age for those who are <laughs> yeah she's so much older than me it's so sad uh, whatever <laughs> yeah so it's like okay step one jesus is the shape of the the he is the archetype of the very best type of human. Right? Mm. Yeah. Now, let's let's make this one practical for a second, right? If Jesus is the archetype of the best type of human, think about about how that stands in contrast to what our world says is a human being truly alive, right? Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> then it's not about That's sex. That's a stark contrast. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not about sex, right? No, it's not about sex. But our yeah. society kind of thinks, oh man, you haven't lived and experienced the fullness of life if you're not it's bouncing true. around doing all crazy I stuff, right? It. Yeah, up totally. Uh, and yet mm. Jesus was a celibate carpenter from the first century, yeah. you know. So, yeah. so mm. well, it also not relates to even some of the like um, standards we talked about in the last episode, where identity. This is the mm-hmm. life you need to have, and then yep. people get there and go, I can't. Like this is not what I want. I'm not mm. fulfilled at all because mm-hmm. yeah. the standards that the world hides holds up are not. Yeah. You know. That's right. Anything that Christ yeah. really and the thing represented. Is, yeah, it's, it's not the ones that are immoral we worry about, right? The standards of like, yeah, go and have sex and do drugs and rock and roll or whatever like that. Like a lot of people are not going to do that and still not going to find life just because they don't mm. break those rules, right, or whatever. So it's more like, but but what is beyond that? Mm. So, well, if I'm just chasing material consumer goods, yeah, totally. money, wealth, career achievement none of those things are necessarily bad in and of themselves Mm. but the point being you can still be a human being fully alive with or without that stuff those things aren't the goal that's going to take you to being a human being fully alive yeah so it's like if jesus and this is where discipleship is so important right because the first thing about discipleship is liberating your mind from the captivity it has to the empire you live in right if you're an egyptian and you get if you're a hebrew living in egypt and you get you get liberated into the land of salvation and get sent out into the wilderness what do you do? You get to the wilderness and you build yourself a golden calf because you still have Egypt's habits even though you don't live there anymore, right? Yep. You still yes. think God looks like the golden calf you're familiar with. Out of Egypt, got to get Egypt out And that's the importance that's right. of making it a Christ-centered focus is you have to understand God is like Jesus and a human being fully alive is what Jesus is the archetype of, right? Mm. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation. He's the prototype. God puts Jesus forward and says, this is what I'm like, but the exact... Um, correspondent to that is that he also puts Jesus forward and says, this is what a human being is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, So I have to embrace the objective. Christ-centeredness and Christ-likeness mm. is at the core of my pursuit, right? And I don't think, I don't think you can unstuff yourself adequately if you can't embrace that because a lot of our stuffing is because, A, we chase faulty versions of what a yeah. human being fully alive is like, yeah. right? 
or B, um, we think I'm just going to fix this issue, fix that issue, fix that issue. But hey, if my issues make me a negative five, right, and I fix them all, that only restores me to neutrality, the deficit model. If I'm depressed and I want to stop mm. being depressed, if I'm addicted and I want to stop being addicted, mm. it doesn't mean I've moved into like the plus, plus 10 flourishing life. I've just gone from a deficit to neutrality again. Yeah. And now right. our model is not, you know, let's just restore people to neutrality, stop suffering. You know, unstuffing yourself is not stopping suffering. I wonder if it's people like think living that a sometimes. fully alive yeah. life, you know, like. Which is the flourishing and the whole, wholeness. But I, I do wonder if people think it's just getting back to neutral. It's like, yeah. God died for and, so much. Well, here's the thing they that, get you know? back to neutral and then they realize. But I still feel empty. Yeah. Why do I feel empty? I don't have any problems. Yeah, yeah. It's because what you're truly designed for is something that's a plus ten, not yeah. just neutral mm. or a negative five, right? But how do I go plus ten? Jesus is the plus ten in life, right? Yeah. The plus billion. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's the shape of the thing I'm trying to become. And what's interesting, like you think about this, right? From a from a culture and world perspective, the world is like privilege, power, pleasure, mm-hmm. possessions, um, you know, position, all these things, right? But what makes Jesus the archetypal human is not any one of those things. So it's not because he has kids because he didn't marry and have children. Yeah. yeah, It's not sexuality because he was celibate. So that means, man, well, if I'm struggling with my sexuality, the answer is not, well, just give yourself freedom to go and do whatever you want, yeah. right? It's like, no, no, because a human being fully alive is found in Jesus and his life is not measured by those shallow yeah. expressions of culture. And nor is it having a Mercedes Benz because he never had one. I'm not saying you can't have one, but, <laughs> but, it's even like, but his that's not the meaning of life. Like he didn't, he didn't um, keep his career and think that was the meaning of life either. His yeah. identity wasn't being a carpenter. His identity wasn't being a rabbi. Even. His identity yeah. is not earning. You know, to him, money is just fish food, yeah. literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then that's what makes Jesus so incredible because, like, he's a he's a, a man who lived in his 30s in the first century world, but yet mm. you, Bethany, as a woman, you're invited by God that the best version of life you could possibly have that would make you flourish, that would be the life, capital L, is you look at that man's life and go, I'm going to wrap myself around that expression. Like that's incredible transcendence, isn't mm. it? That Jesus is just as relevant to you as a female as what he is to me as a male, right? And whether I was celibate or married or whatever mm. it's this it's like we're all on a level playing field because he is the goal so you know? profound that and i think yeah. that's too underrated yes you know we talked very briefly last week about the 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 coalface applicability of this which is probably why we're laboring it mm. we're revisiting something from two weeks ago which is that remember according to dr timothy jennings 12 minutes a day of meditation yeah. on the God yeah. of love. So love is important. can't be Allah. It can't be Shiva or Krishna because that mm. doesn't do the same things in your brain. 12 minutes a day meditating on the God of mm. love that you see in the face of Jesus Christ exercises. So that's a spiritual practice that exercises a biological effect, right? Mm. It mm. changes the function of my anterior cingulate cortex. It changes the function of my dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. It changes the function of my amygdala and my limbic system in my brain. You can Google all those things if you're listening and they, you'll see they do all cool stuff or not so cool <laughs> stuff. But the whole point is that making Christ at the center of my attention and my goal for being it had, you know, we talked in our last episode about the bio, bio yes, psychosocial yeah. spiritual model. The research really does say that Jesus covers all that stuff, right? Mm. The, the functioning of my dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is what gives me clarity of thought. Times when I think I'm crazy and I don't have the ability to moderate my emotions, I need my prefrontal cortex activated and highly optimized to moderate my overpowering negative emotions. Well, 12 minutes a day meditation on the God of love that I see mm. in the face of Jesus Christ 
optimizes function of the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. But it doesn't just make me Dr. Spock now, I think really clearly. It also accentuates the ability of my anterior cingulate cortex, which is where love, compassion, and empathy live. It, ex- it accentuates the ability of that part of my brain to govern my behavior. So now I'm not only more thoughtful, but I'm more loving and compassionate, right? Mm. A spiritual discipline. Um, that's the bio model, right? It, have, it has effects on the way my brain functions and my central nervous system functions. It has a soothing, calming effect. I'm less likely to live in freeze, fight or flight mode mm. because I'm not anxious and afraid and, and, and in fear. But some worship practices, like for argument's sake, if you believe God is angry, wrathful, violent being ready to smite everybody, then when you worship that God, it fires up the activity yeah. of your amygdala and your limbic system, which leaves you in a fight, flight or freeze state. Mm. Uh, and so there, you know, this is it. Our spirituality shapes us. And anyway, all that is to say that this is why it has to be that a journey centered on Christ is the peak of my human pursuit. Because if I never knew that about love, empathy and compassion in the interior cingulate cortex, I don't need a neuroscience degree to Mm. get that to work Mm. i just need to center my life around jesus and ultimately i will be a more loving compassionate empathic person but i won't turn off my brain and i'll be a more thoughtful you know self-moderating person exercising executive function as well that's what Mm. it's supposed to be and that's why jesus at the center of our journey and living a life that emulates him is powerful because it has that biological component but it has a social component because guess what? It's not just love God with your heart, soul, mind and strength. It's also love your neighbor as yourself. So it has a bio component, mm. but it also has a social component. Mm. It has a psych component because there's all sorts of clarity of thought and yeah. transform, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's a psychological component to following Jesus. Um, and there's clearly a spiritual component to following it, which is mm. like wow. all of those things come together in Jesus. And so if you're a person on a journey or that helps other people saying, how do we unstuff ourselves? Yeah. Embrace <laughs> the process of being a follower of yeah, Jesus. That's yeah. right. And I think eventually we're going to have to just talk practically about, all right, then say I want to go on that process. Mm. Then what do I do about it? And that's something we could yeah. give time to sometime. That's wow. right. So it's not just um, a system of belief or staying on to our default mode, but intentionally mm. going on that transformation journey with Jesus. Mm. Mm. Brilliant. Some great reflections. Anything before we close, guys? I guess just uh, how to unstuff yourself. Know that you are a child of God and that God gives you a life and a life to the full in what I'm hearing today from you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's good, and we're all on that journey. Mm. Well, thanks for stopping by today to stay connected with us. You can check out Encounter Church TV on YouTube and Encounter Church AU on Instagram. We're all about leading lives that leave love in our wake. So until next time, maybe you can find ways to do just that. From Ben, Jason, and myself, bye for now. Bye. Ciao.